Hi all, Thomas here. I just wanted to provide a quick content warning up front as today's episode talks about anxiety, ADD, and ADHD. I am not a mental health professional, and we are talking specifically about my guest's experience and do not speak for the experience of everyone. If you are experiencing anxiety, I highly encourage you to speak with your doctor and seek out mental health services. If you need help finding services, I'm happy to help you find some in your area or remotely. Please email me at yourblisspodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to What's Your Bliss, part of the Anything But Credible Network. I'm your host, Thomas Ragland, and I am delighted to be back with you for episode three. We had some positive feedback on our first two episodes, and I'm so excited to be continuing this journey with you today. It's the first episode that doesn't feature my immediate family, so that is going to be fun. Um, I'm really excited um, about my guest. Um, Today uh, on the podcast, we have Galia Sanders, um, and I will turn it over to you, Galia, to tell us what your bliss is. Hi. So um, it's hard to pick just one, (laughs) but uh, my general focus these days is really on um, sort of living a creative life. Um, I gave up on trying to achieve that corporate success, that um, ladder climbing, and just that, you know, sort of repetitive day-to-day monotonous type of work, which not knocking it, it works out great for some people. But for me, it just wasn't making me happy. So I really had to take a step back and say, what do I love? And it's just being creative. That's awesome. Um, I, I think that creativity, um, and I mentioned this in a, in a previous podcast, but I think that creativity to me is uh, kind of a cornerstone of finding bliss. I think you have to be creative, uh, creative to be able to, um, you know, really go after what you're looking for. That will produce some sort of happiness. I think there's a lot of people out there that also don't feel very creative, or maybe they're just focusing on one aspect of creativity. Uh, so I'm really excited to dive into those specific aspects for you. Um, you had talked with me um, offline about uh, kind of painting, photography being two of those uh, areas where you're finding um, creativity. Um, I want to talk about the work piece too. We'll get to that in a second. But um, tell me how you discovered photography, how you discovered painting, um, how those became really two, sounds like pretty big, not just creative outlets, but um, areas where you put a decent amount of focus. Right. So it's, it's, it's really such a like long journey to get to this point. I think, um, you know, like looking back at my childhood, I was always torn between so many different things. I always had like various extracurriculars going on and I could never figure out like what my thing was. Um, I would, I've done Taekwondo, Jiu Jitsu, Kendo, I've done ballet, I've played the clarinet, horseback riding, like, I just did everything. And I just always thought, like, when I find that thing, it will click, but nothing yeah. seemed to click. And I realized, um, which, you know, we may get into a little bit later, but it stemmed from having ADD mm-hmm. and not being able to just focus on one thing. So part of the creativity aspect is a broad, you know, sort of umbrella statement for just doing work that's creative, um, doing things that make me happy, which is being creative, whether that's painting, 
photography. These are the two that I really settled on because um, having a sustained interest in something has always been a problem. So um, these two just really, really stood out to me. And I decided that despite the lack of focus, when that does happen, I'm going to commit to just working through it. Because even though something could be like your bliss, it's still a relationship with it. And you're going to have yeah. ups and downs. So just is what it is. So photography for me is my is sort of my more um, active uh, creative uh, venue right now. And I work multiple jobs doing that, as well as I do it on the side for myself and my family. And then painting is really just something I've picked up in the last few months that just feels so good. I mean, it really just feels spectacular. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think you mentioned it, but it sounds like that ability to, uh, I mentioned it as potentially uh, an area where you're putting your focus, but it sounds like that inability to focus is kind of what led to you trying out a bunch of different things. Um, when do you remember first starting photography? Like when did that come into your life? Not, not just uh, certainly as a job, I'm, I'm curious in that aspect as well, but, but I'm curious, like, when did you pick up that first camera and say, this is, <laughs> this, this does feel like what I've been missing. Right. So whenever I was in high school, um, we had a photography club, which really just amounted to, you know, seven or eight, you know, random high school kids with disposable cameras taking trips to the park. And we were allowed to snap pictures of whatever we wanted. And then the school would pay for us to get those pictures developed. And I don't have a single one of those photos today to show for anything. Um, I don't remember them being particularly interesting or anything. <laughs> but I, I know I know that's where the love started because I just thought, wow, this is so cool. Like, like um, life just moves so fast and without getting too, um, you know, uh, too deep into the concept. But life moves so fast. Like you blink and then it's gone. So to be able to capture that moment and just like have a token from it just feels so special. And, um, and it just kind of stuck and it didn't, I didn't pick up my first DLSR until I, um, 2011, which was when my daughter was born. And I was like, I'm going to photograph my own baby in the hospital. And I did. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and, um, the doctors thought I was crazy, but I was like, the, <laughs> you know, within hours of her being born, I was up snapping photos, posing her, you know, whatever. And um, it just stuck. I mean, I tried other things over the years, even since picking up photography, but it really just is where my heart is led to. It's where I go back to, and it feels almost like home when I'm doing it. So it's, uh, it's an income, it's a hobby, it's a, a form of expression. So it's really a lot of things for me. Yeah, and it sounds like it... It brings you potentially different, um, it, it sounds like all of it is very positive, but it sounds like it also brings you some different vibes, if you will. Um, when, yeah. when, you're, when you're having to switch between, um, hey, I'm doing this for work, I'm doing this for pleasure, I'm doing this, you know, um, for somebody else, for a family member, for, um, you know, th that type of thing, w would that be fair to say? <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely um, a lot of compartmentalizing that goes on. Um, I know that um, one of the things that I think we might get to, and I don't want to jump ahead, but like, is that how do you um, do something that you love without um, it becoming work, you know, yeah. lo losing that love of it. 
And I think that you just have to know where to draw the line, when to say no, and establish your boundaries. Um, a lot of times what happens in this field is that, like, I work for two separate photography companies as well as I freelance on the side. One of the companies I work for, it's just a, it's just a love thing. I love my boss. I love the people I work with. I love the subjects that we're photographing. We do lacrosse teams. We do cheerleaders. We do ballet, wed, like what everything. We do everything. Um, but what happens is, is they're like, oh, Gelia, we also know you're really good at data entry. Do you mm. come in and help out with this? No. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's really hard. Sometimes I do end up saying yes if I have, you know, the headspace for it. But um, that's not the area of photography that I love. And so I have to, you know, really draw the line and say, like, not for me. Sure. If I'm not just taking the pictures and editing them, I, I have to say no. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, you, you made a really good point. Drawing that boundary is... And it's something that I don't think that people are able to do very easily or for a variety of reasons. People are people pleasers, people wanting to take that job. We'll talk about taking non-creative jobs and what that's looked like for you both in the past and currently. Um, but yeah, I think that drawing that boundary, um, I, I would agree wholeheartedly. Like that really feels like a way to separate it out from being work. You, we we're talking, we're talking over Zoom. Um, and I think it's apt to say like um, the experience of most Americans certainly during this pandemic has been um, a lot of people don't know how to separate work from home anymore. Um, and I think that also extends to our hobbies that also extends to our interests. And if we're unable to do that, you're not, yeah, you're, you're not going to be either a productive or be successful um, or see fulfilled probably. Like I, I would imagine right. that all of those things will, will take a hit. Um, let's talk. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that like, um, I find that, like, um, you know, if I could offer any advice to creative types out there listening that, like, um, for me anyway, I need my own space. Like, mm. in this house, I have my own room because I need to be able to close the door on it. It needs to maintain its separation from the rest of my life. I cannot be mom and be painting and photographing all at the same time. Those are different aspects of who I am, and, and I need them to be separate. And when you begin to combine them... It's very tumultuous. It can be very chaotic. And so I have to be able to close the door and say, not right now, I'm painting. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is mom's space. This is for nothing else but this creative work. Yeah, that's, right. that, that's great. Um, uh, talk to us a little bit about the painting uh, side of things. It sounds like that was fairly recent, but um, it sounds like that's brought you both uh, like personal uh, success and enjoyment and also uh, some financial success as we've, uh, you know, just yeah. been in this short week or so. Yeah. So I think that like, um, I think that one of the best parts about being an artist, I always try to remind myself when I'm doing anything that I'm doing this for me. Hmm. And I know that sounds very cliche, like paint for yourself, do what you love, but it's so true. It's it, If you do what you love, you love it. And that's the end of that journey. You just made something you love. Yeah. But on the rare occasion that other people happen to love what you do too, it feels really good. It's very validating. And I try not to work off that validation, but you know what? I'll take it when I can get it. So I did a series of paintings right over um, the Jewish holiday um, Passover, um, which as maybe some of you know, or maybe you don't, um, it's sort of, it's telling the story of when the Jews left Egypt and they crossed through the Red Sea that was you know, split in half. We all sort of know the story. 
And um, I just felt so inspired by this story. I was like thinking about water and just like God's presence and like the Jewish nation just aching to like escape and for more and a better life. And so I decided to pick up a brush and just like paint for fun. I just happened to just really like pour my heart into it. Every painting I made that week sold that week. That's amazing. And I was just, I was just posting them for fun. I felt like, wow, look guys, like feeling creative today. And someone was like, I'll give you a few hundred bucks for this, please. And I was like, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. For liking it. Um, so yeah, so that was a, like a really um, you know, a good boost because I know like a lot of creative types, we deal with imposter syndrome um, where we, no matter how hard we try or how good we're actually doing, we're like, oh, but wait, like, is anybody really going to like this? Is, am I ripping them off? Is this good enough? But you know what? That just felt like for once. Yeah, it was good enough, you know? Hmm. That's awesome. That's really awesome. So it just, it just kind of, it sounds like it just kind of came out of nowhere like this, uh, not well, not out of nowhere necessarily, but this idea of I need to put this creativity, I need to channel it into right. painting. Yeah. So I try to lead my life very, um, um, I, I keep bringing it up, it up early, I, or I know, but I try to lead my life sort of driv- like guided by my ADD because if I yeah. try to, if I try to live my life reeling myself in, I find uh, that it's much harder. If I just go with the flow and whatever I'm feeling, sort of explore that, I have much more success, not only on the project, but internally, growth-wise. And um, if I wanted to paint and I didn't, what did I miss out on? Yeah. You know, like what part of me did I not explore? So if I have that feeling, whether it's painting or photographing or, you know, I've I've done a lot of different (laughs) artsy things, but I want to do it when I want to do it and it'll be good. And sometimes I end for a while, take a break and then go back to it. When you're in that moment, and we can definitely, you know, just jump around uh, <laughs> for for our, uh, our topics here. It, it really doesn't bother me at all. Part. Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, I want to stay there for a second because I think it's really important. And in, in our last um, our last episode, we we explored anxiety and and how that works into um, that creativity as well. And and I know anxiety was another piece that you had mentioned to me as part of uh, and also as part of your ADD. But I want to talk about that for a second. I'm curious if you if you didn't if you just didn't channel it if you weren't able to for whatever reason, um, does it then feel unfulfilled? Does it manifest as you know another type of project? How does that look typically to you if you are unable for whatever reason to be able to kind of fulfill that need to uh, kind of get that out of your system, so to speak? Right. So it's hard to say because. <laughs> I make such a good commitment to to really exploring it. But there was a time when I was a single mom for many years and having the support to be able to just, you know, paint for a week is a privilege that not a lot of people have, you know. So thankfully, my husband is extremely supportive now. But whenever I was parenting alone, you know, I I was in survival mode. I didn't get to paint. I worked, you know, I life takes you know, a lot of different turns. And, and during that time I was dealing with like 
depression. I was undiagnosed anxiety. Like I was having even like gastrointestinal problems from the stress. Like wow. it, it, the stress can do so much that like we don't even realize. And so um, channeling it wasn't an option. Hmm. It's hard to verbalize the difference between then and now and how I feel. But back then I felt like had I have had like some way to sort of get it out, maybe I would have just been a little like more self-confident. Mm. I could have made, I don't know, but today it just, I'm just so happy. Like yeah. happiness is really the, the big change there, you know, and feeling confident in myself too. Yeah, I think that that comes through very clearly in our conversation also. Like, it, it definitely, like, you, you are a very happy person. Uh, for those of you that don't know, to go back to uh, being Jewish, uh, Gary and I met on Birthright, actually, our trip to Israel, um, which those of you that don't know what Birthright is, basically, uh, it's an opportunity for um, those of us who are a part of the Jewish community to go back and um, have uh, a trip to um, Israel, uh, to our homeland, and uh, to explore. And we did a, a lot of awesome things that week. But um, to, to, to say, like, I think in the, in the time that I've known you, which is just over a year, like, that that is what I know of you, is to be this happy person, but also that is, uh, I saw something that you had posted uh, recently, I don't remember when exactly, but you had mentioned you were talking about, and I uh, I just told you that I, I put my kids down for nap, and you were talking about how that was not a thing that you really, you didn't push nap time on your children. You didn't do those types of things. And, and I think that, again, extends to that, like, let's live in the moment. Let's see what's needed right, right now. And right. It, it will kind of take care of itself. Does that, does that sound accurate? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, Earlier in my life, maybe it was a more like fly by the seat of your pants survival sure. kind of thing. Yeah. But um, I just, I just didn't have the headspace to focus on like rigid nap schedules. Not yeah. judging anyone who does. For some people, that works for them. But for me, it was just like it was more of a stress to like have totally. them getting out of bed and like fussing and like I, I just needed peace. Like in my, and that is the number one thing in my home. Hmm. Yeah. And if peace means they're skipping a nap, but they're playing quietly with Legos, I'll take it. <laughs> no, absolutely. Hey, as someone with three kids, I totally understand that. Three small kids and one older kid, certainly. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally, totally understand and recognize that. And, and I think that's, uh, I think it's a great way of parenting personally, but uh, maybe we'll get comments that uh, people disagree with both of us. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I um, but but I bring that up to say like it sounds like that in general, whether it's survival mode, which sometimes that's what it is, or whether it's hey, I know that that is what brings to use that word again, peace, um, is okay. to just focus on the thing. And it sounds like to go back to the ADD piece because I want to talk a little bit about that. It sounds like that um, intentional focus. So, uh, I kind of always look at it kind of like this, and I um, I, I have ADHD myself, um, and I look at it kind of as a a cloud of things. Like there's like five different things maybe that are up here, and I can just pull one. And if I can pull one and focus on that, I'm good, right? <laughs> um, right. And and that's kind of what it sounds like for you. Like if if it's like this is the thing, this is the thing that's lighting up right now. I need to push that button. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And taking it day by day. I mean, like, I think that's really key. I was just actually telling my boss today, as I was leaving, I said, uh, we're on for tomorrow, right at three. And he's like, 
yes, don't forget. And, and he knows that I just need to say it over and over to remind right. myself because I just, I don't have the focus, um, the stamina mentally to hold on to those thoughts long enough. Um, I'm constantly rechecking my schedule. Um, you know, almost like, uh, there's two halves to my brain. Obviously there are physically two halves to my brain, but, um, <laughs> one personality, but, uh, one half sort of has to babysit the other half. You know, yeah. I need one half to be like, I'm the more responsible half and you need to put this in your schedule. You don't want to do it right now because you're already distracted. Sit down, do it now. Yeah. And then the other half of my brain's like, Oh, look, a squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it does take a, an extreme amount of effort to stay focused. This is a real struggle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, let's talk about that. Um, you know, well, I, well, let's go back, actually, for some background. When, um, when were you diagnosed, if you don't mind sharing? Um, what did that sure. kind of look like for you? Um, before you were, I'm always curious about this because I because I find that it's it's somewhat different um, in people. How did, what did it look like before you were diagnosed and before you kind of knew what was going on? But I'm curious about all of that. I threw too much out at you, but I'm curious about yeah, all of it. No, I'm happy to talk about all of it. Um, and I think it's so good that we are talking about it because, like, as adults, we should just be able to like share these things. It should just be like I Agreed. almost wanted to I almost wanted to start this podcast with like, hey guys. Heads up for anyone listening, this conversation could go anywhere at any time. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry. <laughs> so um, I got my first diagnosis when I was about four or five, which is a little wow. on the young side. But 30, uh, 30, 29, 30 years ago, it was just, you know, sort of being recognized as a thing. Ritalin had just, you know, become a thing. And um, they were prescribing it like candy to any kid that they could get to mm. take it. Um, I was one of those kids. <laughs> it, um, I believe it helped. What I remember is that um, I was doing better in school. However, uh, I just, I hated taking the pills. Eventually my mom gave up trying to give them to me and I just muddled through, you know, and then moved on with my life. Uh, it led to a lot of struggles. There's actually a woman on YouTube who does some talks about it. And I was shocked at how similar our lives were when she talked about her relationship with people, her relationships with jobs and school and everything. It was just like, is she talking about me? Mm. Um, and so I think that like, you know, staying on track here not losing my train of focus. I think that like um, re-realizing that I had it probably around 28, 29 mm. was pivotal for me because at that point I was in control of my healthcare and then I could make informed decisions. It was no longer up to my mom to give right. me a pill every day or anything like that. I could really um, take charge of it, say, okay, this is what I have. What can I do with it? And at the end of the day, after various treatments and having some reactions to um, various ADD medication, I just decided, like, I'm just going to go with it. Like, I'll just be distracted all the time if that's what it takes, like. I, what more can I do? I treat the anxiety, which helps a lot with the ADD. But um, as a kid, it was very hyperactive. Today, it's just very distracted, which is an interesting change, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting that it, uh, that it kind of settled in that way for you, that it's really much more of the distraction piece. Um, that, but uh, same for me. Like, that's that's really... 
I notice it much more in, in distractions and just not able to kind of complete a simple task because I right. am not interested in it, I guess. Like that's, right. I think that's like really what it comes down to. Like I'm, uh, you know, I'll go upstairs for something and my wife will say, Hey, can you bring down the bottles that need washed? Yes. And I fully intention, like full intentions of, <laughs> yes, that was what I'm going to do. Right. And then I don't. Right. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I agree. Like, I think the distraction piece, um, and I don't know if that's common for, for other people, but it's certainly been, um, been my experience as well. Um, you mentioned treating anxiety. Um, did you ever have to do, uh, like talk therapy for, uh, for either or both or yeah. Is that something that but, you're still doing? <laughs> yeah, no, I actually see someone once a week um, and he's wonderful. And then I also see someone once a month. So the once a week person helps with the actual therapy, recognizing triggers, knowing when I'm overstimulated or understimulated. And then the person that I see once a month just sort of monitors my medication and makes sure. adjustments as needed based on what the weekly doctor is reporting. Um, which I suggest for anyone, like, um, you really have to be open to whatever, whatever, you know, you have to go into therapy or see your doctor and say, hey, guys, like, this is my problem, please help me. Because for so long, I was like, I'm not taking medication, hmm. I'm not doing anything. I, you know, I got this, I'm a strong, independent woman. Yeah, but a strong, independent woman with anxiety. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, when I started taking the anxiety meds, I, I can't believe how big of a difference it made um, because so much of like stress and creativity there, it's not a good, it's not a good mix at all. Yeah. I think that's, um, I, I appreciate you saying that. And I appreciate you saying uh, and encouraging anyone that's listening as well to really take care of that. Because I, I, as you said, a, we're not talking about it enough anyway. So I'm glad you're, you're very open. Um, and I appreciate you answering the questions. I know they're potentially invasive, but I appreciate the openness and the, and the honesty. I try to be very open about it as well, because I also feel like the benefits, especially for me, that combination of medication and therapy, like have been the perfect cocktail <laughs> for me right, in yeah. terms of managing, you know, just my day-to-day -day life. And I think what you said, like, it doesn't mean that you're less independent. It doesn't mean that you're less strong. We, we talked about the brain earlier. It's just a brain chemistry issue. What are we supposed to do with that? Are we're, we're experiencing life in a different way than other people just because of the way our brains are wired. And whether that wiring is a genetic factor or as a factor of, you know, trauma or, or other types of, there's a variety of reasons that your brain reshapes, so to speak. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's crucial to, and to do what works for you. You also mentioned that the medication does not work for, or, or even if it works, there were, there were plenty of side effects that you were seeing from, yeah. from the, for the ADD medication that that isn't worth it. And I think that it's okay for us to explore what works, um, but also to recognize when we need to find kind of that assistance. Right. And I think that like, you know, when we talk about like finding your bliss and like sort of um, whether that's a destination or a journey, you know, like it's, it's hard to find what makes you happy if you are feeling unhappy inside. Like it's hard to think to yourself, like I want to start a new hobby when you just like don't want to get out of bed each day or, yeah. 
or you're stressed out, you know, or you have deadlines to meet and you're overwhelmed. Like, it's really hard. So I think a part, like, for some of us, you know, finding the bliss is removing the obstacles that are keeping us from getting there. And that's yeah. really, for me, like, what my journey has been about. It's about taking those obstacles and either embracing them, letting them make me stronger, or working with, with medical professionals to remove them completely. Um, I can live with the ADD, like I said. It, it honestly helps my creativity. Mm-hmm. And if I just follow my heart with it, beautiful things happen. But the anxiety was no joke. It wasn't something I was willing to live with. And I had to take drastic steps fast because it was manifesting physically and prohibiting me from doing the things that I love. So, yeah. and by the way, the anxiety didn't show up until COVID showed up. So. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and again, we're introducing a new stimulus, right? And that yeah. has then impacted you in a different way. And that makes perfect sense. And I'm sure there are plenty of people out there that also are experienced that to, to some degree, but wow, that's, that's really, uh, really interesting. I'm sure, I'm sure probably pretty intense when you realize yeah. that. Yeah. Cause it came out of nowhere. Like when I heard like, no offense to anyone who's, who's had a really rough go with COVID, my, my heart goes out to you a hundred percent. You know, I'm privileged enough to, again, that my husband took very good care of us and all COVID meant for us was we had to stay at home and what watch Netflix and hang out and like zoom school. Yeah. Like it really wasn't the worst of the worst. And then I just woke up one day and I was like, why do I feel so bad? Wow. Why do I feel these blockages? Why can't I take good pictures? Why am I not mm. interested in the things I love? And that's what led me to discover my new friend. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, tell me about that. What's, what does it look like when either the anxiety or the ADD is, is impacting your work? Um, and then thus, I would imagine impacting, uh, impacting your work or, or your, the joy that you're getting from kind of your creative outlets. What is, how does that manifest for you where it's, where it's actually having an impact, a negative impact? Um, but, I, but I'm curious about the positive impact too. Yeah. So it can have a negative impact um, without notice. <laughs> and I take one medication for that, MPO, which means as needed, um, because it is sort of unpredictable sometimes. I'll notice that it's impacting my work when I start second guessing myself really bad. Um, I did a photography session with a family recently with sort of toddlerish kids, which isn't really like my my place. I'll do it for people that I really know and care about, but generally I try to avoid that age because. Uh, it's hard to get them to smile and I'm not like the best with them. And I did this session and I went home and I looked at the photos and I was like, wow, these are the worst photos I've ever taken. These are the worst. Mm. And I'm not meant to do this. I, I'm just, I'm wasting my time. This is so bad. Wow. And then I caught myself. Um, a nice therapy term for you guys is uh, self-talk. I was having bad self-talk. That self-talk in and of it, in and of itself is a, is the, tr- like, that's the trigger. That's the, what I have to notice. I have to be willing to recognize it and say, you know what? That's not how I should be talking to myself. So for me, it, it sort of manifests with, um, if I don't do something about it, then it, it affects me emotionally. It, it affects my self-esteem. As far as really affecting my work, I can't say that it does because if once I get in that emotional place, I sort of draw back from the amount of work I'm doing. Yeah. It won't, I won't work if I'm feeling that way. 
but um generally yeah it just it impacts my self-esteem and how I'm talking to myself and uh I just have to be willing to recognize that voice not not repeat it anymore block it out (laughs) and I reshot with the family I contacted them I said guys listen I I don't feel like my work is up to par let me do it again and I think you're going to love it and they love the second session they actually love the first one too sure yeah (laughs) well it sounds like a lot of that first session was um you know, kind of you getting into your own head, like you said, and I'm curious, and perhaps I just missed it. Um, but when you're, do you, are you able to just stop the negative self-talk? Are, are you able to reframe it? Do you then, do you then start, for lack of a better term, hyping yourself up? Do you start with positive self-talk? Do you say, you, you, how does that, how does that switch kind of flip for you? So typically, um, when that self-talk starts, if I can stop it, um, the switch sort of, I don't know, it's just, it's hard to sort of verbalize. I know, I'm, I'm asking you for a, like a super high level <laughs> no. concept that's happening in your brain, but. <laughs> I want to, I want to, I want to give you like, I'm just trying to think like what the best way to explain it. You know, sometimes it means switching gears. Sometimes when that happens, it means, okay, I need to take a break from photography and focus on painting a little more. And just that taking my mind off of it altogether hmm. really, really helps. Um, or vice versa, this painting here uh, that the listeners can't see, but you can, um, it's been sitting here for a little while. I needed to take a break from it (laughs) and focus more on photography. So sort of having something to uh, go between helps balance it out a little bit, I think. That's really interesting. And I I was actually curious about that. So there, it sounds like there is not just an ability, but a necessity for you to versus having just photography, having something else that also kind of pulls that creative outlet. And I'm guessing that's also partially what led to jumping through several before you're able to land on a couple that have really brought you that joy. So that, that so I guess the question in there is, does that seem to help balance all of that out is having more than one kind of creative outlet versus just having one thing that it's like, I have to put all my energy into it, especially because that one thing is also your job. Um, and, and, you know, in, in several ways. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think anyone who, um, is in the same boat as me would agree that like, you really have to have those backup things to do because we just don't have the mental stamina to do one thing all the time. We just don't. Um, I do a lot of things like sewing and crafting. I come from a long, long, long line of women who sew and quilt and knit. And we're just crafty women. It's just what we do. <laughs> they probably all have ADD too, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think having having something ready and set up for you to, you know, sort of revert to is, is really helpful. I, you know, like if I need a break from editing because I'm feeling frustrated with maybe my, maybe my setting, maybe my presets aren't like fitting with the, I don't know, whatever. I just need to walk away for it a little while, but I need to have something ready to do otherwise because who knows what I'll do. Yeah. (laughs) I'll go I'll go shopping and overspend or like I'll go bake a a massive cake. Like who knows what crazy random thing I'll do. Um, But I want to stay productive. And that's, that's the goal with it is that whatever I'm doing needs to be productive. Going out and shopping, spending a lot of money is not so productive. If I can take a break from photography, switch to painting, at least I'm still doing something productive. 
Yeah. yeah. And that, that feeling of productivity, it sounds like is pretty, is a pretty guiding philosophy for you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it has to be in, in order to be, um, I consider myself a contractor, hmm. um, but in order to be a self-employed contractor, own, have my own business, I really have to, that's productivity. Like it yeah. has to be forefront, whatever I'm doing, it just has to be productive. Um, I can't just, I mean, I could, my sweet husband would let me, but <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I want to be successful. So, well, and it sounds like the success and the, and the productivity that is, that's increasing that happiness, right? It's not a, it's yeah. not just a means to an end. It is a, Hey, this is truly it, where I'm able to, to have that creativity where I'm able to express all of the things that are kind of floating around. If I didn't have that, then, you know, not only is it not productive, but it's, it's not satisfying. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, and, and I think that like um, the thought of like seeing my artwork in museums, having showings, you know, like having people hanging it on the wall, that's what I want. Like yeah. I want that so much. That is my goal one day. Um, as far as photography, my goal is a little bit different. Um, it's a little bit more muted, even though I love it more than painting. Yeah. Um, I just like to do it, like whether it's going in someone's home or I've done some modeling photos for models. Like I just like showing the best side of people, capturing that moment. And so for me, those are sort of my goals. Number one is delivering a quality product to these people. That makes me happy. That's my yeah. list. I don't know why. <laughs> no, that's awesome. And then, and then the other is, you know, just having the recognition as an artist, I feel like it's something that I, that I also aspire for one day. Yeah. Hopefully. That's awesome. <laughs> that, that, I mean, it sounds like uh, it, we're not quite in museums yet, but I mean, I think you <laughs> are really blessed to have been able to get some of that, even from your first, you know, kind of entry into this uh this new area for for painting it sounds like people are like you said you don't necessarily let me phrase it this way the validation is lovely and it's it's nice and it sounds like ultimately the validation leads to this this higher level of validation where it's reaching a broader audience it's people are traveling to see it right like there's there's a little bit of right. that um, but what started out as something that was, hey, I, I, I need to have another outlet. And I, I, I think that this could be something that would be really fun for me and really fulfilling can also absolutely be a goal for you to say, no, this is something that is also, for lack of a better term, serious for me and something that I yeah. want to take seriously in my life. Absolutely. I think that it's, it's like a, you know, like a pie chart, like part of the part of the pie is that I, I love to be creative. And that makes me happy. And part of the pie is the validation when other people love my art. Part of the pie is seeing it in other people's homes and just feeling like a piece of me is there, like beautiful, you know, and not to trail off too much, but um, I, re I recently saw an ad in a newspaper and the ad was uh, the person's name and it said, hello, greater Cincinnati. If anyone has any paintings that were painted by my late mother, I'm willing to buy them back from you. Can you please contact me? And I just thought that was so beautiful that like this person's mother had passed and she was obviously a painter. She painted and sold her paintings. And then her son wanted to bring those back and have that. And I just like yeah. thought that was so beautiful. Like just that's the connection that art can have, the emotion that it can invoke. And I, and I want to I want to emulate that, you know? 
That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah, and um, in, in sticking with with painting for a second, um, you know, in my research for uh, today's episode, one of the things I, I wanted to know is, you know, I, I, I think that it's becoming much more and and I'll tell tell you about the research that I found on this, but I think it's becoming much more prevalent for us to recognize that not all the time, but there are a, there's a decent amount of creativity that does manifest with ADD or ADHD, right? And I think we're becoming as a society we are recognizing that a lot more. In general, I think when we think of neurodivergency, we are thinking of hey, there is something that they are that that they are passionate about that they are you know creative with those types of things like that that tends to follow when we're talking about most neurodivergency and it doesn't exist for everyone necessarily um so i don't want to make a blanket statement just be like yes every person who is neurodivergent has this creative skill and this that, right. that's that's not necessarily true but what we do see we see that there are so many people that have these creative sides or these goal-oriented sides, even what we've seen in like Olympians like Michael Phelps and Simone Biles. Are these people are mastering their crafts and are also those who are speaking out about having ADD or ADHD or these other types of neurodivergencies. And my research showed that on the painting side, which is what I was specifically interested in, what you're really seeing is it's very likely that painters like Leonardo da Vinci, like Vincent van Gogh, like Pablo Picasso, all probably had some sort of neurodivergency and specifically probably all had some form of ADD or ADHD. And I just think it's fascinating that this is, we've known, we know about this and we've, we've been able to kind of now go back and, and research that a little bit, but I find it fascinating that we look at these you know great works of art and we're, and we're seeing this, and I think that that's an awesome testament to this creativity that does exist with neurodivergency. But those are those are like I think that I don't know you just when you when you have a lot going on in your mind you need something you need something and um, I'm finding that like so many people are ADD and. It manifests in so many different ways. And I, I actually am in the process of, um, I just got Vanderbilt results back for my daughter and she, she's ADD too. Yeah. Big surprise. Every single, every single marker for me, she has the exact wow. same thing. Yeah. It's like a mirror image. It's, it's crazy how much like she, me, she is. And I feel so excited, ready to take it on, prepared to support her. Her school is amazing. We're, we are not, it is not a bad thing in our eyes. Like she's so creative. I'm, yeah. I can't wait to see where she goes, what she explores and, and help her along her way. Yeah. Find what, what she likes. Does she like to paint? Does she, she does ballet. She likes ballet. So who knows, you know? That's awesome. Yeah. And I think the idea that you've, even before that, you were fostering this creative environment for, for her to flourish and for the rest of your kids to flourish, that you're finding your own way and you are finding things. And it's okay for you to not know what that is right away. And it's okay for you to try things out because that's something that you have done yourself, like just figuring right. out what, and again, not just a means to calm you know, the storm, so to speak, but really to find that bliss, that feeling of like, no, this is what brings me like ultimate joy, right? Yeah. Um, and it sounds like you're doing, I mean, you, you, again, already before you, you don't even had this, um, the, this test, these test results, like you were already doing that with your kids. It sounds like you've instilled yeah. that from a pretty young age. 
Absolutely. I definitely wanted to create a household where like whatever neuro anything is going on that like there's just love and support for them and that, um, you know, no, I just, I, I, everybody has their own beliefs and people can come at me. I'm willing to defend this to the end of the world, but like I, not everybody's meant to be the same. We're meant Absolutely. to have like different functioning brains. We're meant to have, I mean, we need creative types and we need intellectuals. We need scientists and we need musicians. We need it all. And I just, I, I don't want to stifle them. I'm willing yeah. to help them based on their doctor's recommendations for whatever they should need. But at the same time, like at the end of the day, they're not angry. They're very happy kids. And, uh, and I'm a happy adult. And I hope that, that anyone, you know, if you're listening, just know that like you, you can find you even with these struggles takes a little bit more effort, but you can. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that it's 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 helpful obviously to have that support but i think beyond like that support of family it is finding your circle that you can have if your family doesn't support you right there there's we certainly had several people who their family doesn't know how or they don't have the means to or they they don't have the desire to and i think if that's the case we talked about therapy earlier that's absolutely an, an important option but i also think yeah. just finding a circle of people that you can trust and it sounds like one of the things that you said was was also the, the just having the support of your husband who's like yes go do these things i mean is is amazing right like that's yeah. and, and and not something that necessarily everybody has but but that doesn't that doesn't negate it that that i think that just shows like if you find these supportive people that can be there for you in those times and to help you channel those things or to help you find those things or find those things that you find interesting, it's going to make it a thousand times easier. Right. And I would say advice for that is like, um, if you even have the slightest direction of like, like where your happiness could be, like say you work all the time and you were like me in the past, a single mom, and you don't have any uh, supportive family members, but you love playing the guitar the beauty of the internet is there are groups of people far and wide who are who I won't say exactly like you, but are are very similar and they and they will help you. They will they will tell you what you need to get, where you need to start. They have meetup groups. They maybe you like yoga. There I, there's a yoga meetup group on every corner. I feel like every weekend, like there are other people that you can connect with if your family or the people you live with are not immediate supports, but it is up to you to go out and seek them. They don't always show up at your doorstep with a gift basket. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Wouldn't that be nice? Uh, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> um, one of the things we also talked about was the um, kind of that divergent thinking, that impulsivity, um, which are both things that in my research, um, looking at, uh, Scientific American and uh, NeuroGrow are two, uh, which NeuroGrow is a, is a brain fitness center. Both of them talked about these things very specifically leading to that creativity and not being, um, you know, I think maybe people would hear divergent thinking, would hear impulsivity, those, those two things specifically that stood out to me and think, oh, those must be an impediment. But those really have shown to be uh, such a gift to those who, who have that to be able to be creative. Can you talk a little bit more about like how that has shown up for you? I know you've talked about like, Hey, if I'm feeling like I need to do it, I need to do it because I need to get it out. But, yeah. but how does, how has that shown up for you? Absolutely. That I, I think that those are two of the most uh, difficult 
and exciting aspect of it, um, specifically the impulsivity. It really, some people, um, artists specifically, will talk about how intimidating a blank canvas can be. Boy, where do you start? What color? What if I make the wrong brush stroke? The whole thing's ruined. Canvases are expensive. What do I do? Um, that impulsivity gives me the ability to just do away with that thought completely. Mm. When I see a blank canvas, I'm like, yes, Lord, I am about to mess it up, whatever. Like, just go at it. It does not make a difference to me. And if it's ruined, I have a whole stack of things I feel like didn't work. You know, it's just yeah. the impulsivity. Time to go buy more canvases, you know. Um, so I think that that's, that's really where the, the uh, um, spontaneity aspect just really yeah. is great. I'm not afraid to meet with other artists. I'm not afraid to try new things. Um, I want to try new things. You know, it, it doesn't hinder me. It, it helps a way that it can be a hindrance is when I don't focus on the two things that I've allowed myself to focus on. Mm. And then you have an entire shelf in your house that's hidden right now, but that is full of random projects like jewelry making and um, epoxy and like, I, I don't even sewing. Like there's so many things over here. I tried that I was like, no. Yeah. So you also have to dial it back a little bit, <laughs> find your balance with the uh, with the impulsivity for sure. It sounds like you know uh, two of the things you said today, balance and boundaries, really are are the way to kind of narrow in on hey, this is this is how this is going to work for me, right? Is right. is having yeah. that balance and having those boundaries. Um, I want to talk a little bit about that, that and, 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 and your work, because you mentioned that you've, you know, you won't take, you won't do pieces of jobs, you won't take jobs that are not creatively fulfilling to you. Um, and I'm, I'm curious how that, like, that became like a, a it sounds like a, a good tenant for you, like, hey, this is, right. this is important to me. And this is, again, how I find that fulfillment. Um, how, how were you able to come to that? And then also, um, on the flip side of that, like, how did you find a, a way to make these passions what you, how, basically, how did you get paid for your passion is what I want to know. <laughs> sure, sure. This is the, the good part. Um, okay, so to start with, I'll break this up into two parts because it sounded like that was two questions, not one. <laughs> it was. So, um, <laughs> the first one is the boundaries and saying no. Um, yeah, it just happens. Like, I, I mean, if I'm not passionate about it, you're in a creative field, you're not going to get the best. You're just not. Um, someone reached out to me recently and said, wow, I love your paintings. May I commission you to do a painting? And I had to say, I'm sorry. Like, I don't think that's the right thing. I paint whatever, not, and I, obviously I didn't say it in like a very rude way, but <laughs> I paint, I paint what I want. And if people want to buy it, then great. Yeah. Because if, if I were put into a box where I needed to paint what they wanted, I, it just, it, it doesn't translate the same. So sometimes you have to say no. Sometimes you have to say, this is not for me. And again, keeping with that fine line between doing something I love and then doing a job mm. that I hate yeah. <laughs> or it turning into a job I hate. Yeah. Um, uh, I also work for a newspaper. I'm a photojournalist. Um, that is a job that I love. <laughs> it's very simple. It gets me into a lot of events that I that I really enjoy. I schmooze with a lot of people that I, I love to schmooze with, whether it be artists or um, people in the Jewish community or, or whatever. 
And um, I also like that it puts my work out there a little bit so I can feel like I'm making a little bit more of an impact. Um, but sometimes I have to say no. Sometimes these um, things I'm sent to are not so up my alley, but <laughs> it, it happens. Or I'm asked to write an article to go along with, with the photos. I, that's a hard no for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hard no. <laughs> now, when you're, when you're doing these events, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but when you're doing these events, um, you mentioned there are times where it's like that is really not up my alley. Was that just trial and error or was that something that you you know automatically, nope, this is not gonna be the thing that, this is not gonna be a good situation for me to do my work? Right. So um, I think I knew, I knew right away that like it wouldn't mm -hmm. be a good fit for me. Um, like going and photogra photographing things like board meetings for mm -hmm. major financial things or whatever. I'm like, yeah, it's not really, me. I like to see children and people and I like to see like light like real photojournalism lifestyle pictures of people interacting and events happening I don't want to photograph like in an office yeah. people talking about money that's just like not my thing um and it comes up a lot because you know money is always the hot topic so um I try to stay focused on the more like family or community type things and uh, say no to a little more of the business uh, consumer world. Yeah. Well, I think what you're, what you're also describing is something you said at the very beginning, which is capturing the moment. And what moment are we really capturing? I'm sure there are people who are like, <laughs> yes, this is my thing. I, I am a boardrobe photographer, right? That is me. But I, yeah. in my mind, that that's not showing that moment. And it sounds like capturing the moment, capturing real moments, is something that is really important to you. Yeah, it is. Another thing that I get asked a lot is real estate photography. And I just, mm. I have to, the money is so good too for anyone right? looking for their new career. It and absolutely you like taking is. photos, <laughs> hop, hop right in, especially right now. Um, real estate photography is always a thing, but it's just not something that's in my wheelhouse. I wouldn't be happy doing it. I wouldn't be able to provide a quality product because of that. So I just, you know, I have to know when to say no. And, and that's one of those times when I say no. Absolutely. Um, and then to answer your second question, <laughs> yes. if you remind me what it is. <laughs> um, I, I think really just how did you find, uh, you know, oh. how did you find yourself in a position where you are getting paid for your passion? Right, right. That's right. Um, so being a nice person helps being helpful kind that's that's i'm gonna write that one down actually <laughs> being honest um people tend to um recognize that when you're like interviewing for jobs and i i met a guy named uh brad schloss and he works for schoolhouse photos here in cincinnati and it was just like sort of on a whim he was like hey i'm looking for like a second shooter willing to train a little bit and i was still kind of a new photographer and he sort of like took me under his wing and um and, and that's where it grew. That's, that's really when I started to feel confident about myself. He was loaning me lenses that I could never afford. Mm. He was letting me borrow lighting equipment that, you know, again, was way too expensive for me to be using. Uh, and he had faith in me that, like, given these things and given the time to practice, that I could really do great. Um, so I, I've been working for them for a long time now. The company has since been bought by somebody else, and I stayed. And I love him just as much. He's a great boss. Um, and yeah, so being paid to do that is, is, you know, obviously do it, being paid to do what I love. 
Um, the photojournalism, that is much more um, less of like a part-time job and more of just like a side gig. Like yeah. it, I really only tend to it a couple of times a week. I get paid per submission. Um, so that's nice. And then the paintings are just social media things. Like I just painted, posted, yeah. and people were like, we love that. Um, I The downfall is it's, it's not a not an exact amount of money every week. Sure. Do, do artists, do any artists see a... <laughs> Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> the, aware the steadiness of. doesn't exist yet. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so it's never quite the same amount. There, there are definitely some times when I'm making less. Um, we're getting ready to enter summer, so I probably won't be working um, for schoolhouse photos during the summer. Um, I'll still be doing some photojournalism and painting, and and we'll see what comes of it. So that's awesome. That's really that's really great. And I think you know I I I I made a joke, but I think people maybe don't always realize like just being a kind person and expressing that and, and, and being forthcoming with what you're looking for. Yeah. And again, establishing those boundaries up front, like all of those things are so crucial, um, mm -hmm. not just for a creative job, but for any job that you're trying to for do. Any job. Right. I think that like for, for creative jobs, it requires a little bit more of a sell for people to give you money for it sometimes. Like you really have to be able to market yourself just a little bit better. Yeah. You know, in the corporate world, you're giving a resume and that resume is going to show all your exact accomplishments. When you're in the creative world, it doesn't work that way. Maybe you have a beautiful gallery, but you got to sell yourself. Yeah. You don't, that's, that's just the nature of the game. So I think that like when I, when I first met Brad, I was like very positive. I was like, I want to learn and I want you to pay me and I'll be here every day. And I showed up every day. They realized how trustworthy I am and how yeah. honest I am. And they were willing to give me this gear because they saw how trustworthy I was. So if you can find those people and you can um, build that relationship with them, um, sometimes, you know, we need a little helping hand to make it into the getting paid world for your art. So yeah, yeah. people That's help. Awesome. Yes. People help. <laughs> And and just the idea of, I think that people will hear that and or will hear photography, hear painting, any of that, any 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 visual media, and and not necessarily think that customer service is important and it's crucial, right? Um, you, because yeah. you have to have, uh, you have to have that trust to be able to reliably build that base for sure. Right. So a lot of times, what I see in the photography world is that um, a lot of people get started as second shooters. And what that means is that, you know, you're going to have a reputable photographer, maybe probably weddings. That's usually the most common thing. And you have a budding photographer who wants to shoot weddings, but isn't sure of their skill level. You'll tag along and you'll shoot side things. And if any of your photos are good, maybe they'll get used. If not, you'll just keep them fine. But um, nobody's going to just let you go to a wedding with them. These are paid events. People pay a lot of money mm -hmm. and you're not just going to let any, you know, Joe Schmo with a camera tag along with you to this high end wedding to photograph it. You have to build that trust yeah. in order to it, like, like when they think you got to build that trust in order for them to allow you into, into that space. That's an excellent example. Um, I really appreciate that. As we're wrapping up here, We've you've given some really great examples uh, of this already, but what suggestions would you have for our listeners who are trying to 
uh, have this type of bliss in their lives, this bliss that comes from living that artistic life, from being creative, what suggestions do you have for, for folks who are looking to, to find their bliss that way? Sure. So I think the, the most important thing is don't be afraid to start somewhere. Um, you gotta, you gotta pick up a brush. You gotta get a, a Nikon cool picks wherever you got to start. You got to, you got to do something. You're not just going to find what makes you happy sitting at home watching Netflix, but don't get me wrong. Like Netflix makes me super, super happy. (laughs) But I, but I mean, if you're really looking to find yourself, you have to go out and look. Um, That means being open to attending an acro yoga class or going rock climbing or, you know, just saying yes to that trip to the botanical garden. Who knows? Maybe you love plants. Like you really have to like be able to say yes and be open to starting something new. And then also be open to just failing at it kind of and just being like, oh, that that looks terrible. I'm going to throw it away. That's okay too. Yeah. Um, so that's really, I think, one of the bigger things. And then um, the second thing is also – if you do have a moment where you think you might should throw something away that it's not very good, maybe try again. Who knows? Maybe you yeah. shouldn't throw it away. Maybe you, sh- I mean, you have to decide for yourself. Like, but I think that sometimes saying no is okay. And sometimes keeping out, it's okay, but just trust your gut and kind of go with what you're feeling. And, and hopefully that will help lead you to, you know, what makes you happy. Um, and, and the last piece of advice would just be, let it be yourself and, and not somebody else or something else. Let it be, let it be you. I don't ever paint for other people. I paint for me. Um, it's a consolation prize that other people like it. So if you're doing things for other people, I don't know that you're really going to find your, your happiness. You gotta, you gotta do it for you. So that's really the, I think the two most important things. I think that's excellent advice. And um, it's it's not the first time that, that I've personally heard the do it for you. And I think that there's nothing selfish about that. I think that that is honest. And it is, like you said, it, it's great if other people like it. But the whole point of finding bliss is what's it doing for you? And and then how does that show up in the world? And I think that that's, that's extremely important. Well, Galia, thank you so much for your time. I have really <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. I'm it went so in a lot bad. of directions, but I, but yeah. it was what well, was perfect. It was really perfect. It yeah. was a, it was a, it was an honest look at, at at what we're talking about, and it, it just it inspired me to be completely honest with you. And I really appreciate it. Um, is there anything as we're wrapping up? Is there anything that you want to promote? Um, I not really. I mean, if you if anyone's just bored and you want to. Check me, check out my gallery online. It's galiasanders.photography. Um, and I have some pictures there. I mean, I need to put more up, but, you know, go give it a like on Facebook if you want. No pressure. But, yeah, and I think uh, go do something. Like, go <laughs> go paint or go, go paint something. Or, or yeah. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Well, thank you so much. And um, that'll do it for today's episode. And uh, take care. <laughs> You too. Goodbye. You can find What's Your Bliss at anythingbutcredible.com and on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. Please follow on Twitter and Instagram at Your Bliss Pod and like What's Your Bliss on Facebook. If you have any questions for me or would like to be a guest or advertise on the podcast, please email me at yourblisspodcast at gmail.com.